What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. Okay, what is up and welcome back. So today I'm gonna talk about the five steps to have a successful mobile app launch. Now, after launching over 270 campaigns with K&J and doing app growth campaigns for TikTok, Triller, PayPal, et cetera, and having them go from one to 10,000 downloads to a million downloads, I've seen it, been around the block, and I have a process that works. And I've documented it for K&J. It's one of our training processes that we use internally. And I'm gonna share it with you today if you're an app founder who wants to go ahead and try this yourself. And of course, if you are confused or if you need guidance on it, always feel free to reach out to me. All right, so let's get started. Here are the five steps to successfully launch your mobile app. Number one, as with any marketing campaign. And now when I say launch, I mean marketing launch. This assumes that your product is done and you're ready to go. Hopefully you've done a beta at this point. Now, when it comes to the marketing fundamentals, here are the things that I always ask incoming clients. What's the goal of this? As with any marketing strategy, goal, budget, timeline, and strategy. I'll go through these one by one though. So the goal, do you want a thousand downloads a month? Do you want 10,000 downloads a month? Do you want a million downloads? That will determine all the structure that goes into building this strategy. Now, I know everybody wants a million downloads, (laughs) because I always ask them and they say, yeah, I want you to do what you did for PayPal for us. Well, maybe you don't because that was a social media app. So they want growth as their target. That's really the main goal is to get as many users on board as possible, create that virality and let it spread itself. And that particular platform was 30% viral downloads, meaning 30% of the people who downloaded the app they did not come through a marketing campaign. They just found the app and were interested and you know came through and, and signed up. But every app has a different goal. I just spent three days in Virginia doing a workshop with a new peer-to-peer lending app. Now, a peer-to-peer lending app is very different from a social app because people are coming in to make a transaction. They're coming to borrow money. So downloads doesn't really matter so much. What matters so much is registered users who originate a loan. So downloads shouldn't be their goal. Maybe registered users should be their goal, or maybe loan origination should be their goal. Now, you have to figure out what your goal is. I talked to another company that has a golf app. They want users because they want to monetize their app once they get a good volume of users. So there's all kinds of different goals. No matter what kind of app you have, each one of them is going to have a different goal. So you have to understand what what you're looking for. And one way to figure out what you're looking for is figure out how you make money. What's what's the mechanism that makes you money? If you get one paid user for every 100 users, okay, maybe you wanna get 100 users or 1,000 users, so you get one or 10 signups, one or 10 paid users. So you have to think about that. Now, if you don't know what that is, like for example, if I'm in a K&J engagement and I'm giving them guidance on how to design their goal, I will obviously provide feedback, but really it goes back to you. And and the, the issue is that most founders don't know what their goal is and they don't know why they would They don't know the why behind their goal. So I encourage you to think about what is the end outcome that you're looking for? Is it growth? Do your investors want you to have, you know, 100,000 downloads or do they want you to have 1,000 paying users, et cetera? And so if you're, let's just say, a bootstrapped app and you just want to grow because you need to get users, well, 
Then you got to think about your runway. How many months of budget do you have to get this to the point where it will break even and go profitable? So those are the things you need to be thinking about when it comes to your goal. The goal is what determines the budget. So what I recommend for new apps is to have a budget of $5,000 for media spend. And that media spend is basically going to be your research budget. You're going to spend that on ads to see what your click-through rate is, what your conversion rate is, what your cost per install is, what your cost per registration is. You need $5,000 worth of ad spend to get that data and have it be statistically significant. That's a minimum. I recommend having $10,000. The more testing budget that you set aside, the more rounds of tests you can do, which means the more you can optimize your cost per install, your cost per acquisition, all that kind of stuff. So that's just your ad budget. You need to have a budget set aside for staff, right? Like a marketing manager, for example, will cost somewhere between five and 10K a month to have on staff. So if you're gonna do that job, well, that's gonna be costing you your time. You need to think about the opportunity cost of that. So understanding your budget, even if it's small, let's just say you have a thousand dollar a month budget and you have that for three months. Well, that means you're gonna need to be super scrappy and do a lot of manual labor yourself to get it out there doing SEO work and doing events and guerrilla marketing kind of stuff. Whereas if you have more budget, you can save yourself a lot of time by using media. So number one, figure out what the goal is. Let's just say for the intents of this, I have a friend who is making a social media app for professional networking, kind of like LinkedIn. It's like LinkedIn meets Tinder. And so I'm going to use that as a case study today. So they make money off of they have a freemium model and then they're probably going to do some kind of advertising model, et cetera. So their goal is going to be users. Now, how do you set the budget for that? Well, you need to think about how is this company funded? At what point does it make money? And so for that one, let's just say they're going to start making money when they hit 100,000 downloads. So that's the goal that they give me. And in order to reach 100,000 downloads, they have $200,000 of budget, which means they need to have a cost per acquisition of $2 on average, which is very aggressive. And I don't recommend something that low because you'll end up getting low quality users, but I'm just going to use that for the intents of this conversation. So you know what your goal is. We want hundred thousand downloads in, let's just say the next six months, we know what our budget is. It's $200,000. And then we know what our timeline is. I just told you six months. I mean, that's a pretty modest goal for, you know, that timeline. And then you also need to figure out what your strategy is. And I'm gonna go over strategy next, but those are the four components to set the basics foundation for launching your app. Goal, budget, timeline, and strategy. Now, $200,000 budget might seem far-fetched for somebody who's bootstrapping, or even if they're you're a venture-backed company, you know, it's gonna be hard to get justified to the investors that you need $200,000. So maybe we work with a $20,000 budget for now to get started for that six months. And I'll tell you exactly how I would use that. So now that you got those four core tenets of the strategy laid out, we need to figure out what your offer is. So I'm sure you've probably heard about it before, the $100 million offer framework by Alex Hormozzi, you know, making an offer so good that people can't refuse. The offer is the pricing, the packaging, and the positioning all wrapped together nicely in a bow. And the easiest way to come up with your offer is to take this statement and put your, find and replace your you know, components into it. How to achieve dream outcome without common pain point, even if you have biggest fear. So using the professional networking out, uh, application that I was referring to, the offer might be how to find your, ne your next job without submitting a thousand applications, even if you feel underqualified. Right. So this app is now going to serve somebody who's seeking a job 
and make the process faster and easier. So that would be a potential offer statement. Now, when it comes to your offer statement, you want it to be something so good that people feel stupid saying no. So this is a whole study and process in itself. But if you've made it this far, if you've developed an app, you probably have a pretty good offer. Otherwise, you wouldn't have developed a whole company around it. You just need to frame it in a way that is concise and compact. And when your offer is powerful enough, your copywriting, your creative, none of that stuff really matters because it's just so good. For example, if your offer is, I will guarantee that you will get a job in three months using our app, I mean, why would somebody say no to that? If they're a job seeker, it's like, cool, this is a guarantee. And if I don't, I get my money back. So that's the kind of offer where it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of copywriting you use. If it's relevant to that audience and it achieves their dream outcome and it gets them that result faster than they're used to, then it's a strong offer. So this is usually where I put the majority of my work, listing out all the pain points my customers are gonna experience and listing all the solutions I have to those and then writing problem solution statements. And those will ultimately become what becomes the offer statement, but also what becomes the marketing content, the copywriting, the video scripts, all of that stuff. Which takes me to my next point, figure out who that target customer is. So let's just say I'm looking at a job seeker who's 23 years old, two years of experience, and he wants to use this professional networking app. That's my avatar, a young professional looking for a new job. What are all the problems that he's gonna run into? For example, he's gonna have to submit hundreds of applications. He's gonna have to curate and adjust his his professional CV, his, his resume to tons of different jobs. He's going to have to be scouring the internet, looking at Indeed, all these different platforms. There's a ton of pain points in that particular avatar and user experience. And our solution to that, for example, the company that I'm referring to, and I'm, I hope he appreciates that I'm using him as a case study because it's gonna provide some answers, but the solution to that is you can swipe and match with potential hirers. So you connect directly with the hiring manager they can see your credentials, you can see their credentials, and then if it's a match, if both people swipe right, you get matched and you can start the interview process very quickly. So that's a great solution to somebody who's a job seeker. When I go through and do my offer development process, I usually write out 10, 20. The last offer that I wrote, I wrote 40 different pain points out. So I exhaust it completely until I have a really clear picture of exactly what I wanna solve for. What is the most important pain point here and what is the best solution that I have to offer? So that really comes up with their strategy. Now, if you do a good job on the offer stage, for example, for PayPal, we have a campaign where it's like, if you register for our free trial of premium, you'll be entered to win a $1,000 dream vacation anywhere around the world. So we'll pay for your flight to go any location that you want. Now that's a great offer because it's like, all I have to do is download this app and get this free trial of this premium and I can enter to win you know, a dream vacation. That's a strong offer. So when your offer is to the point where it's really strong like that, then I recommend building either natively into the app, so into the product, a referral component, an automated referral component, and or if you have not done that, if your app doesn't have a viral component to it where people share and they have incentive to share it, then you can do it with marketing. For example, a giveaway is one way to create an incentive to share. But the issue with giveaways is people might be coming for free stuff and they don't typically turn into paying users depending on how you frame it, but I recommend having a referral component like uh, get five swipe right credits for every friend that you refer. And then if they wanna upgrade, they can buy 50 swipe credits for this you know, professional networking app that I'm referring to. So you can use in-app assets to stimulate people to share it. So they're inclined to share it, they get more 
you know, in-app credits, so does the person who downloads it and so on. So I definitely recommend having a referral component built into it because remember, you're gonna put all your effort and time and money into launching this to get these users. You don't want them to just fall off once they come into the app. You want there to be a viral quotient worked right into the app. So in order to get the most out of the app experience, they have to share it. Meaning if it's a social networking app, you typically want five to 10 close friends on the platform so people can start engaging right away. So you build a referral component in that incentivizes them to bring their five closest friends. And now if you pay $10 for a download, you're actually getting six downloads out of it instead of one because they shared it with five friends so that they can make the most of the app so that they could get the free assets like more swipe rights or whatever that feature is that you're offering. You can do it with financial incentives. Uber offers 20 bucks to the rider and 20 bucks to the sharer if you share your Uber link. Uh, but not all of us are you know, backed by hundreds of millions of dollars. Can't just give 20 to 40 bucks to every user. So it's best to sell either intangibles, like you can sell in-game assets like skins or upgrades or more messaging or more swiping or whatever that is. And that's the best way to set up the referral campaign at first. Okay, so now you know the campaign strategy. You've got your goal, budget, timeline, your offer laid out, and then you have a referral component built in. Now you got the foundation for an app that can go viral because as soon as you start sending traffic to it, inherently people are gonna start sharing it and you've developed something that is the perfect solution for what they need. Okay, so that all gets you to square one. Now, when it comes to actually launching the app, here's how K&J goes about it, and this is what I would do as a former app founder. You know, I've founded two apps and launched them. One of them hit a million downloads in six months. So I've been through this process a number of times, and I've put it into clear step-by-step. -step. So the next step is you gotta craft the content for your campaign. Now. You can make a viral campaign, for example, the around the world giveaway for PayPal. that campaign will probably get lots of downloads and it'll probably get them very, very cheap on a cost per install basis. But the problem is, is you need a way to taper them into using the app right after they download it so that they stay engaged. So you can do in-app prompts and push notifications, email, SMS, all that kind of stuff. But for the intents of this, I recommend not doing a viral campaign at first. And the reason is because you want authentic data. You want people who are coming for the sole purpose of getting the value that you're offering. In this case, we're talking about a guy who wants to get a, a new job. So you want to make sure that you are providing the solution to that direct problem, not offering him a free swimsuit or something like that, because that will take their attention away from the core value of the app. And what you're really trying to do here is make sure that one, people love the app and two, that they share it with each other. So you really need to make sure that you're giving them what they came for instead of uh, a free carrot that's gonna get them excited and make them download it, but maybe not achieve the goal of having them engage and use the app and ultimately pay for something. So when it comes to crafting your content, here's how we go about it. We create 25 to 50 ad videos and creatives in the first month. The reason is we call this the fishbowl marketing, right? So we have this big batch, a big bank of content that we can use and test to see what performs best different avatars, you mean, you know, I mean like uh, different characters, like you might have a skateboarder and then you might have a meditator and then you might have a surfer or whatever. Each of those different kind of people are gonna appeal to obviously a different target audience. So you wanna be able to test what the messaging they're using, what their, you know, their aura and their energy looks like and all that kind of stuff. So we develop a lot of creatives at first and I'll walk you through how to get that done. But before we go into how to make the video and the ad content, let's talk about what kind of content you actually wanna write because you're gonna start out writing this as like copywriting. 
So the easiest way to do this is to go back to your offer statements. Use the problem and solution statements as your initial ad copy, your video scripts, your carousel content, like the, you know, the graphics, the sliders that you put on IG and, and Facebook, and then write a few call to actions and credibility statements. For example, let's just say we have the professional networking app. Get hired in a month instead of three months. That would be like a problem solution statement. And download today and get your first week free. And credibility would be 10,000 jobs placed in the last month or whatever, right? So you figure out how to say, I'm an authority who can deliver this value that you're looking for. And I have a knockout offer, a grand slam offer that if you take me up on it, you'll be really happy that you did, right? So again, the copywriting, a lot of people overthink the copywriting. It do, you don't have to embellish it. You don't have to make it all sexy and creative and unique. If you just get the facts across in this early stage, what you're really trying to do is float it in front of the market and see if they actually believe in the solution that you're offering. Get a job in one month instead of three, right? So if, if they believe that one, this is a solution to their problem. Two, you're a credible person to carry it out or app platform to carry it out. And three, a strong call to action, like you know, try it free for a week. Your probability of getting somebody to download is extremely high. Now, to set expectations here, a lot of people come to me and say, I want downloads for a dollar. And first, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna commit to something like that because if you get the cheapest possible downloads, you're gonna get the cheapest possible users, right? So you're not gonna get quality users. Instead, what you wanna focus on is getting people who are coming for the right reasons, not coming for a giveaway, they're coming to get a job and your app gets them a job, right? You can swipe, match with a hiring manager and get a job, you know, three weeks instead of three months or whatever offer you come up with. So the content should actually come quite easily to you if you do your homework on the, on the prior stage, which is the offer development. So once you got your the base of your content strategy down, which literally is just a, a hook, problem statement, solution statement, call to action, doubts and credibilities, call to action. If you just use that format, you are in good shape. Now, if that doesn't work, what does that say? Do you have a good solution? Is this actually something that people want? Well, you need to really question that. And that's why we're gonna go through this testing process because you will get answers to all that. So now that you've got all the basics set up, the goal, budget, timeline, and strategy, and then you've got your offer developed and you got your content strategy laid out, then you gotta do the fundamentals of launching an app on the software side. So you gotta get Apps Flyer installed so you can track the downloads from the different channels that you do. And then you need to get Firebase SDK installed. Firebase is Google Analytics for apps. It's free, really robust, provides a lot of in-app data, like average session time, engaged session time, how many opens, how many closes, how many app installs, how many app uninstalls, and it plants a bunch of events in the app. So it could see, see how many people swiped right, how many people swiped left, how many matches were made, all that kind of stuff for this professional networking app. So you really wanna have the analytics set up before this because the whole intent of this launch is to get data it's yeah, it's cool to get headlines and to have a ton of people download the app. But really what you're trying to figure out is how do I get the cheapest user who's going to give me the biggest ROI? For example, if the average LTV on this professional networking app is $20, right? The average customer pays $7 a month and they stick around for three months. You can invest $5 to make $21 over the next three months. Then that's a very profitable model. And that's how you should be thinking about it. You know, think back to the goals that you set out. Think back to the projections and the budget. If you're going to invest $20,000 in this and you get profitable after, let's just say, month two, 
then you can just start dumping budget into it as long as you have the liquidity because you know for every $5 you invest, you're going to make $21 back. And that's really how you should be thinking about the goals and the strategy and all that. So if you don't have a monetization model, you can just focus on getting quality users who engage in the app and that's all good. But the problem is, at least from what I've seen, every time somebody does that, they eventually run out of budget and the project comes to a stop. So I really recommend having either the investors in the runway to run that track long. I'm talking about like six to 12 months. So you can budget that way or have the app break even by getting profitable, right? So people registering for the, you know, the premium service or you're making money off of the ads, but things like ads and selling data, those don't really get profitable until you're at a really macro scale, like hundred thousand million plus users. Okay. So now that you've got all those fundamentals done, the next thing that you need to do is optimize your app store listing. Think about this like SEO. ASO, App Store Optimization, is the process of improving your App Store listings, your app landing pages on Google and iOS, optimizing those listings like a landing page, right? So when somebody comes, they see a headline, a subhead, and then all the body content is the reason why they should download. So your screenshots should be optimized. You should research the traffic around your industry. You know, for example, like if it's a professional networking app, do we want this to be a business app? Do we want it to be a communication app? Do we want it to be a social app? Do we want it to be something else? How you categorize it on the app store matters because if you target a small category, like let's just say professional learning or something like that, you know, social media is the hardest one to rank for. You got TikTok and Instagram, those guys all at the top. Whereas if you pick something more niche like language learning or I don't know, let's just say professional networking, there's a good chance that you're going to have a better shot at showing up when somebody searches for a professional networking app. So it matters what bucket you put yourself in, and you're going to have to pick that category on the app store. So how you pick that will determine how you rank. And everyone is trying to move up the ranks in the app store to eventually, you know, just like SEO and Google, you want to be number one. You got to pick the right realm. And that realm really is your niche. So now we're talking about college graduates getting a job. So, you know, it could be a college student app, probably a little bit less competitive than social media. So what category that you pick matters because that's the realm that you're gonna be compared against and then how you orient the app store listing. So your headline should be your hook statement, get a job in one month and then, you know, the title of your app or the title of your app and then, you know, get hired in a month. The subhead would be swipe to match with potential hiring managers and get connected within minutes. That could be your subhead. The whole idea is to hook them, provide the value that they're looking for in the subhead, and then within the body content, just like a landing page, you state the problem, state your solution, and then add your credibilities. 500, you know, five-star reviews, featured in Forbes Inc. Entrepreneur, all that kind of stuff. That's what you wanna put into the App Store listing. This shouldn't just be an afterthought. In fact, this is incredibly important because for example, the average app store conversion rate is typically around 20%. So out of 100 people who click to an app store listing page, 20 of them download. If you can improve that to 30%, which is where TikTok, when we were running their campaigns, it was about 33%. So now they're getting 66% more value. Well, actually like 60% more conversions because their app store listing is optimized. So now every dollar and every blood, sweat, and tear that you invest into marketing is going to convert to more users. So just by optimizing the app store listing, you're going to get more downloads. 
And secondarily, when people are browsing the App Store, they're more likely to find you. And when they're searching the App Store, they're more likely to find you. Like I said, when PayPal had a million users, 30% of them, about 330,000 came from people who were doing App Store search and App Store browse. So those were all organic free downloads. So this is a really important component before you go and dump all of this effort and budget into marketing and ads and all that kind of stuff. You want to make sure that again, there's that viral buzz component built in the ability for people to find it on their own and download it and get you free downloads. Okay. We got all this so far. So set up the strategy, figure out the offer, come up with your creative and your content angle, install the tracking and all the fundamental software to get the app platform launched. When you install the AppsFlyer SDK, that's the tracking platform that is typically used for marketing campaigns for apps. That AppsFlyer SDK can hold the Facebook pixel, the Twitter pixel, it can handle the TikTok pixel, et cetera. So you only install one SDK and you can get tracking back from all these platforms. That's why I recommend installing AppsFlyer. Otherwise, you're gonna have to install the Facebook SDK, the TikTok SDK, and so on. So it'll reduce the amount of development work that you have to do. Okay, so now that you've got your content pulled together, you got the tracking set up, next is to create as many ad videos and creatives as you can and isolate only one variable at a time during the testing process. So the way that we do it is we put out a brief to a community of creators and we have each of those creators record five videos. I'm sorry, record two videos and then we have five creator creators record two videos each. So now we've got 10 raw videos. Now we're gonna do two variations of each of those and we'll have 20 videos, right? Because we have 10 raw videos and then 20 variations because we're gonna do two different cuts. The way you can cut up these videos is it could be hook, call to action, or it could be problem, solution, call to action, or it could be hook, problem, solution, call to action. So there's different ways to cut up the videos depending on how engaged that audience is. And so we recommend having a 15 second, a 30 second, and a 60 second clip for every video. And by that point, let's just say we've got 10 videos, with four different sound cuts or four different time cuts on them. Now you've got 40 videos and then you can do compilations where person one says the, the hook statement, person two says the problem statement, person three says the solution statement. So it's kind of like a compilation video. And so you can test what appeals most to the audience. And so doing multiple edits of the videos and using creators, you know, nano influencers, just anybody who's willing to do a selfie video, you can take those and, multiply the format so that you get all kinds of different content to test. And the first stage of launching any app is testing because you don't wanna dump $100,000 of budget into an app that is getting $10 downloads if your target is five because you'll burn through your budget twice as fast. So you wanna find the audiences that are getting two, three, $4 downloads and focus all your budget there. And that's what the testing process will bring out. And that's the data you'll get out of it. Okay, so you write a brief, you know, five creators create two videos each, and then you cut that, you know, two or three times, maybe four times like we do. And at that point, you got 30 to 50 videos that you can test. And the reason you want to do that is because remember, we're going to test the messaging, the, the avatar, like the person, the actor who's doing it. We're going to test the format, you know, is this better as a reel or is this better as like a, an MV video, etc. So when it comes to giving the briefs to these different creators, we don't like to do, I mean, even though we have a production studio right here in house, we don't like to do all the production ourselves. Why? Because it's, first of all, it's a lot of work. Second, there's people who will do it for relatively cheap. Third, 
everyone is going to take their own creative approach to it. So you're going to get a lot of creative variations. I mean, these people come up with some really cool videos for us and we can do all of them at once. If we're doing it in house, you know, we got to orchestrate and do all this production. So we actually just delegate that and have other people film all the videos. And so we really like to use the problem solution statements and the briefs so that it's like, Hey, if you're looking for a job, I have just the app for you, right? So that problem solution statement, they can put their own creative twist on it. And maybe, you know, they're driving or maybe they're skateboarding or maybe they're walking their dog and they film this video. So it feels very human. And one of the reasons that these videos convert so well, the reason they perform so well is because it's real humans giving testimonial videos. So you can let them try the app before they create the video. They can do it like a little screen record and show themselves using it and all that kind of stuff. So that is why we prefer to have real humans doing it and providing a testimonial format. The other format would be full production commercial. Go to a studio, hire a professional actor, spend $100,000 making a corporate commercial only to find out that the customers don't really like corporate stuff. They like human, relevant, authentic content. And that is why the testimonials perform so well. So now you got 40 videos, you've got a monster offer, you got a launch plan in place, you got a timeline, six months. And then next, we need to figure out how to launch this. So before any big launch, I always recommend, and this is the way we do it for any campaign, is we do a test launch first. We use those videos that we created, we use the test budget of five or $10,000 that we set aside for ads, and we, in a very controlled way, we launch each of those videos. An easy way to think about it is, use Facebook, Instagram ads, you know, you can buy media on both platforms with one, you know, one ad manager there. You can put up to 100 different cold audiences into it and the different ad sets and you can compare how all those different audiences perform against each other. So this is what we recommend using one video. This is for your first launch, run it to 50 to hundred cold audiences on Facebook that you think are relevant. So if it's a professional networking app, uh, app, it could be college grads, job seekers, people who have been in the professional environment two or three years, people who, you know, follow LinkedIn, people who follow XYZ name off as many cold audiences as you can. And the reason we're testing against cold audiences is because if you ask your mom to download the app, she's gonna be your biggest cheerleader. She's gonna be enthusiastic. She's gonna be your best user. But the problem is that's not real authentic data. That's somebody who's got a connection to you. And that person is gonna tell you what you wanna hear. Instead, you want people who have no connection to you and you can go in and solve their problem for them. So that's why cold audience testing is always the best. And especially once you crack the code on cold audiences, the world is yours. If you can invest 10 bucks and make 50 bucks back from marketing to cold audiences, you can just dump ad budget into it and scale massively like we did with TikTok, you know, 22,000 downloads in one night. So it's really important that you test with cold audiences. When you want to do usability testing and some of those other beta tests, you can do that with you know, people that you know and things like that. But again, I don't like doing that. I always prefer to not lead the witness. I want somebody who's gonna authentically tell me whether this app gave them value or not. So you launch your first campaign, your first video against 50 to 100 audiences. And then you let that run. I typically do 10 bucks, 15 bucks per ad set and let that run for a couple of days. So you'll probably spend 500 to $1,000 in testing. But what you'll get back is, what was the CPM? What was the click-through rate? What was the conversion rate? What was the cost per install for a hundred different audiences? And so now you can compare them all. For example, we did this with PayPal and we tested 770 audiences over the course of a month. And 
we found that travelers, like all kinds of different categories that we thought might be interested in this, were like whatever about it. The people who were most interested in PayPal were people learning business English and entrepreneurs. So now we know, okay, maybe we should make content from entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Maybe we can change our avatar, our messaging, and our strategy around this audience that's a winner. For example, that, that app was about $9 to $12 per download when we launched it. After we did this testing process and honed it down to just those winning audiences, we cut 98 audiences and we only kept those two running and then dumped all the budget into those ones. Our cost per install went down to $3 and then it went down to $1 and at some point it was at 50, 30 to 50 cents per install. And these were quality users. So you have to think about who is my audience? And this is why you run a broad messaging at first because you want it to appeal a lot of people, see how they respond to it. And then as you learn who responds best to this offer, then you can develop content around that specific audience. So you run test one, your 100, your 100 audiences, find three winning campaigns, or maybe you only find one winning campaign. Boom, cut the 99 losers, look at the metrics on the winning campaign. What was the click-through rate? What was the conversion rate, et cetera? If you need to improve the click-through rate, maybe you improve the call to action. Maybe you improve the offer. Maybe you make the button, you know, buy now instead of apply now or whatever. So you can optimize different components of it based on the data that you get from that first launch. So for example, let's just say we wanna improve the click-through rate. So we put a stronger call to action, swap out the last three seconds of the video, launch that video to the next audience. So you're gonna to wanna to do this process of launching to 50 to 100 audiences five to 10 times. By the time you've gotten through that process, you'll have gotten 500 to 1,000 different audiences tested against the creative. And this is how we come up with the perfect conversion recipe. Like I said, this got PayPal's downloads from $10 down to about $2. This got Triller's downloads from $9 down to $2.50. This got TikTok from a $40 CPI down to a $10 CPI. So this process works. So You've got all these videos in this fishbowl. You have enough videos to run marketing for like the next five months because let's just say you want to launch one new campaign per week, one new test campaign per week. You've got 40 videos. You could do it for 40 weeks or you could do two a week for 20 weeks. So you got plenty of content. So you can see again, which audiences, which messaging, which avatar, which actor, all of those, which of them performs the best. And then it's easy. The losers, you just turn them off. If they're not getting results, you turn them off. So with each relaunch, you're going to look at the KPI that you want to improve. Let's just say the target install for this professional networking app is $5. And some ad sets are coming in at $10, some at seven, some at four, and some at two. So what I would do is I would cut everything above $4. And I would take the two ad sets that are you know performing at two and $4 per install. And then dump the budget into those ones. And you just optimize the different metrics that you're missing. So if the CPMs are off, that typically means that you're reaching the wrong audiences, et cetera. After this whole process and you've run your 500 plus AB tests, what you'll have is a really clear picture. You'll know this is a young professional in Southern California who's got two years of experience and who likes female actors in the ads. And then you can put your effort into developing new creative just like that. And that is how you maintain that super low cost per acquisition. Now we're getting downloads for two bucks when our target was five bucks, we're performing twice as good as we were expecting. So then you can take the budget that's left over from all the ads that you cut and you dump it into the high performing ones. Now we're making two and a half X our money back 
and five times more budget is going into it. And that is how you hit 10,000, 100,000 downloads a month. And we've done this process over and over. It always works. We actually here at KNJ are launching a new offer specifically for app founders who want to launch and get that data, get those creatives and get that scalability and then scale up. We actually are so excited about this new offer because we're going to do the first month free. We want to see people get the results before they pay a dollar. So if you have an app and you're interested in it, feel free to reach out and you know we'll see if it's a fit. But we could get you set up and do all that process for you for zero dollars at first. And then the actual service only costs four to $8,000 a month to run it after, which is, you know, compared to the 15, $20,000 base retainers that we used to have, it's, it's very moderately priced. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to impact way more apps. We want to do a lot more volume. We know the strategy works. We want to get more people's hands and help founders like you scale up hard. So if you are interested, go to our website, there's a kjgrowth.com and then hit the drop down for apps and you know under the services bar and you can apply there so all right you've gotten through the launch now let's just say we're in month two month one you built the campaign month two you ran all the a b testing and now it's time for scaling this thing up you've got all the data you got a super good cost per install super good cost per acquisition and this is where you can really start to grow fast now for example if you are targeting a $5 cost per install and the new CPI that we got through this testing process is $2. Now, again, you can dump two and a half times as much budget into it. So you got your 20K and you're getting downloads for two, two bucks each. Now you're getting 10,000 downloads a month. And let's just say you have a 1% conversion rate. You're looking at 20 paid subscribers per month. And so then you can see this will get you know, not only cash flow, it'll begin to get profitable the more momentum that you build because especially with subscription services, you know, you get five bucks this month and then you get 10 bucks that month and 15 the next month for each user who signs up because they, they add up to each other. So it creates an exponential effect. So I hope this has been helpful. I know it was a bit technical. I know it was pretty in depth and you probably got lost in some of the minutia of the different keywords and acronyms that I was using. But again, if, if you do have an app and you have questions, you can feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or on LinkedIn or just go to the website, like I mentioned before. Uh, and this will really set you up for massive scale. And if you're a venture-backed company, now you have all the data, you have your business case proven. We can invest $2 and we can get $20 back. And then when you pitch to investors, you not only have this amazing business case that, hey, it's a money printer. You put two bucks in, you get 20 bucks out. We put $200,000 in, we get $2 million out. The investors are gonna bite on that, right? And not only that, you have a bunch of data to prove it. You have the in-app analytics from Firebase, you have all the marketing data from the ad platforms, et cetera. And so this is what really stages you up for monster growth. So if you're a cash flow app, your cost per acquisition has gotten down so much that it's profitable. Or if you're a growth app, you can go back to the investors and show them this business case, and it'll be a very obvious investment for them. So in next week's episode, I'm going to talk about how to scale the app. So you got through the launch, you know what your best cost per install is, you know who your target audience is, you know what channels they're on, what messaging and what creative works best for them. Next, I'm gonna talk about how to scale. And that episode, I'm gonna cover a little bit more on app store optimization and how to use ads to drive your rankings up the app store and then taper off and continue to get downloads because of the viral effect of the app store rankings. And then I'm gonna talk about how to use different geographies to rank in different app stores 
which will rise the seas for all the ships. It'll improve your conversion rates, get you a lot more viral downloads. And then third, how to use alternative channels like Google for getting downloads as cheap as like 20, 30 cents that are high quality. So make sure to tune in next week for that episode. For now, I hope this was helpful. Again, if you want to chat about your app, just go to kjgrowth.com, click the drop down to services and click on apps and then submit the application there and we'll get on the phone. I'll help you out and I look forward to rocket shipping your app. All right. Have a good one. See you next week.